This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. Assalamu alaikum, harawala, and welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. Today, it's time to open up the conversation around mental health, anxiety and depression and so much more as we mark Mental Health Day. We're going to be talking how to spot mental health issues, how do you start the conversation and what can you do about it, whether you're a sufferer yourself or you know a family member who is. To take us through it, I'm going to be joined by Dr. Daniela Salazar, clinical psychologist at Lighthouse Arabia. That's coming up this hour on Life Beats on Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Today is World Mental Health Day and even though there seems to be more awareness around it than ever before, there are still so many misconceptions and stigma surrounding it that can prevent a lot of people from reaching out and seeking help. Today we are opening up the conversation with Dr. Daniela Salazar, clinical psychologist at Lighthouse Arabia. Welcome. Thank you, Sally, for having me here on the show today. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you, uh, Dr. Daniela. You are back again. We've had you before on the show for uh, some great topics. But today on World Mental Health Day, um, it, it seems like we're talking about mental health more than ever before, right? But there's still, you know, so much uh, that is surrounding it that we're really not sure about, particularly when it comes to thinking about whether we have mental health issues or not. There's stigma around it, there's misconceptions, all kind of stuff. So kind of let's start with why. Why is it even important to think about mental health and to focus on it? Right. So, yeah, you're right. I think even though there's been such a great awareness and and every day we see more people coming to our clinic and our center, um, I do find that there's still some stigma. And the importance of mental health is something that we want to really start having people know and understand and build more awareness of what it is and what it really entails. And so for starters, um, I want to share with everyone that one out of four people are currently struggling with a mental health disorder. And this is such a big number if we think about it worldwide because um, a lot of times these people that are struggling with a mental health disorder don't even know they have a mental health disorder, right? Because they don't even know what it looks like, what it is, what it's all about. The mental health is always talked about when in terms of illness and mental health is just like physical health. It's a continuum. We want to really focus on um, just like physical health. So when you have, you when you go to the gym, you're eating healthy, you're connecting with people, you're, you know, uh, doing all the healthy things in life for your physical health. You're feeling empowered. You're feeling great. Same with uh, mental health. So when you're um, managing time correctly, when you're managing your stress correctly, when you are able to be aware of your feelings, when you are uh, being aware of your values, when you're trying to follow your values, I think that's when you have more um, of a higher mental health. And the same goes for poor mental health. Since it's a continuum, maybe you move or you have a stressful day at work or your kids are not following directions or anything that might be stressful for you that day, you might go into the continuum of poor mental health. So you're fluctuating and you can fluctuate within a day and it doesn't mean you have a mental health illness. And that's something that um, I hope we can talk about today further. 
Absolutely. I think that's really important. You just touched on the fact uh, that, you know, we can all have bad days and we can all have moments where it just feels like you know, nothing is going right. But it's it's kind of how it affects us, isn't it? I mean, yeah. what's the difference? Because people will often ask, you know, well, what's the difference between just being sad or very sad or depressed or anxious? Okay, so there's there are several things we need to talk about when before we, we get into that. So in right now there's a there is a, a big confusion between sadness and depression and stress and anxiety and we we need to really think about four different characteristics. So the first one is how long have I been feeling this way? You know, how intense is the feeling and how much of an impact is it really having? for me to function on my everyday life and to perform my normal activities. Mm -hmm. I think those three things, so duration, impact, and intensity are the main um, concepts that we really want to draw back on to really identify if we're struggling with a mental health illness or not. Okay, so these are the, the questions to ask yourself, uh, what's going on? So so talk to us about the, the kind of people that you see within your practice. You know, what are the kind of symptoms that they're presenting with? What are the kind of life situations that are most uh, common that you do see, Dr. Danielle? So um, when you have a person that is currently suffering with depression, it's a person that is not just a one-off sad moment. It's not someone that is just having a bad day. It's someone that cannot get out of bed sometimes or is quite irritable or can't concentrate or is having really low sleep hours or their nutrition is being affected. Um, that again, we need to go back into those into those concepts that I talked about: duration, intensity, and how much of an impact are those behaviors having in that person? Um, it needs to be happening for more than two weeks. So it's not again, it's not one day. It's happening throughout a long period of time. Um, you might have negative thoughts, um, and it's something that you can't explain. You mm-hmm. know, and it's out of your control. And even though you um, want to change it, it's out of your control to do so. So this is when someone might come into the clinic and and look for help. Okay, so uh, thinking about um, in in terms of uh, whether you can manage it or not, that is a really big one because you do hear about um, people who do have mental health issues or mental illness, um, but they're high-functioning kind of people. Are they kind of people who have understood the symptoms, have understood the way that their body works, but have learned to manage that? Is that what it is? So actually, you brought up a really important point because a lot of times we wear all types of masks, right? So we have the presenter mask, the mom mask, the the worker mask, and a lot of times mental health uh, illness is really subtle and it's really invisible because we don't see it. We don't know how much people are struggling. Mm. We don't know what they're what they're thinking. We don't know what they're feeling. And even though they might be high functioning and getting their jobs done, a lot of the times they're really struggling emotionally. And you know, they might be even struggling getting out of bed, but they do so anyways. But those feelings of overwhelmness, of hopelessness are still there. And I think that's something that we want to be aware of because it's quite invisible. We don't see it. And I, I hope that this conversation um, is going to bring awareness to that for those people that are do having those thoughts and are do having those feelings to come and really talk to someone because we know how um, hard it can get. And, and it's important to be able to be to have that conversation with someone that can support you. 
We're going to talk uh, a little bit further in uh, just a moment, Dr. Daniela, about those kind of symptoms, particularly around anxiety, because it's easy to kind of just say, um, you know, I'm feeling anxious and, and lots of different people might be feeling anxious, but they can feel that way to different degrees and in different situations. So we're going to come back in just a moment um, to talk about the different uh, types of anxiety, different uh, types of mental illness. And, and maybe that will start a conversation, like you said, because some people might be thinking, well, that's not me. But then they hear something and they go, oh, actually, wait. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that is coming up here on Life Beats on Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Talking all things mental health today on uh, World Mental Health Day with Dr. Daniela Salazar. If I can get it out. Um, uh, In terms of the different types of anxiety, we hear so much about anxiety now, um, but not everybody's got the same type of anxiety. There's social anxiety, there's attachment disorders, there's all kinds of stuff that uh, is uh, going on. So let's take a look at that, Dr. Danielle. Perfect. So let's a little bit about anxiety disorders. Um, Anxiety is usually called different things and it because it presents itself subjectively, right? For one person, what something might be anxious for another person, it isn't. Um, So it can really vary in severity. Um, But anxiety is an umbrella term. And we have in psychology all sorts of different names for different types of anxiety. So Mm -hmm. we have OCD, we have attach, uh, separation anxiety, we have social anxiety, we have phobias, we have all of these different names, but I want to focus on the core of, of anxiety and the symptoms that we might experience because I think they're quite similar in all of these different names. So um, the first thing is that an anxiety disorder is more severe, it's long lasting and it interferes with our everyday functioning. But anxiety can present also some physical um, um, symptoms like dizziness or headaches or sweating or um, fast heartbeat, chest pain, muscle aches. A lot of times we relate situations to our physical pain and we don't really know why it's happening, but maybe every single time we come to work, we get a headache. So that's related to anxiety a lot of times, the mm. physical um, aspects of it as well. So we need to watch out to what it, what is happening in my body that is signaling that I might have anxiety and that I might be struggling with something. Again, it's bringing back to that self-awareness, to that knowledge of what anxiety can look like so we can maybe reach out to get help. Then another part, another symptom that we can have is psychologically, right? So we can have excess worry or fear, your mind's racing, um, you're going blank, or maybe maybe you might be indecisive, you can't make decisions correctly, um, feeling extra tired or nervous. Those are also some psychological symptoms that are important in terms of anxiety. And then we have some behavioral um, symptoms as well. So you might avoid situations just to avoid those physical feelings. Um, You might have obsessive or compulsive uh, behaviors in OCD, for example, washing your hands or trying to do things in a certain way, um, or else you get extra anxious or uncomfortable. Um, You might feel extra distressed in social situations. So you might start even sweating when you're in front of um, a peer or a colleague or going into crowded places. It might get you uncomfortable and your your mind starts racing. So all of these 
different ways uh, we can see anxiety happening. So it's physical, it's physical, it's psychological, and it's behavioral. Mm. In those kind of situations, a lot of them are ones that we can't avoid. You have to go to work. You know, it, it could be um, that you love your work, but there is something about it that makes you anxious. How do you deal with a situation like that, for example? Okay, so something that's also important to know is that, you know, situations in itself aren't um, the cause of anxiety. It's how we relate to that anxiety that's going to make such a big impact, right? So yes, we have to go to work, we have to show up, we have to do all of our, our daily routines and activities, but it's learning how to change your mindset to those in relationship to those activities and, and daily um, routines that we have. Mm. So it's changing that thought process, um, embracing stress in a different way because we need to work with uh, anxiety, not against it. Um, and and it's some anxiety is a feeling that we all have. We can't avoid it. It's actually quite useful for us to feel anxious um, once in a while and to have that. It makes us perform better. It makes us be more aware. But it becomes an issue when it's interfering with our daily life, where the intensity of that anxiety is getting out of hand, where it's being constant and, it's, and it feels like it's out of control. So again, it's how am I relating to those anxious thoughts? How mm -hmm. am I relating to the situation? rather than blaming that situation in itself and avoiding that situation. So the impact then, you know, when we're talking about anxiety and, and stress that b becomes something that affects your life, what kind of in, an impact can that have? Oh, all sorts of impact. You can have, um, you know, a lot of uh, physical um, illnesses related to stress, so mm. ulcers, lack of sleep, insomnia, depression. It just kind uh, of snowballs, it really. It snowballs, yeah. It starts with something little, and then the more we avoid um, feeling anxious or avoid the situations that make us feel anxious, it starts growing and growing and growing, and then it really impacts our daily life and this is why um, coming and talking to someone is is really important that's a big one that's a big one but sometimes we think if I open up to this person uh, about my anxiety if people know that I have anxiety then uh, I'll be less likely to be chosen for that job or I'll be less likely to be promoted or I'll be less likely uh, to, to have my friends hanging around me because they'll think, you know, oh, this per person is uh, anxious. You know, there, there is that stigma and the correlation that goes along with being ill. And because mental illness, like you said, is invisible, it, it's difficult because, you know, <laughs> there are the, those two sides. Somebody who's suffering may not want to talk about it because of the way that they are going to be viewed. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. And and that's unfortunate, right? Because right now, our, our goal is to hopefully have people understand that mental health, there is no health without mental health, right? And it's a continuum. Yeah, exactly. And, and some days we have bad days, some days we have good days. And when we're talking about mental health, it is not only related to a mental health illness. Mm. We're talking about, um, you know, being able to connect with people, being able to um behave in accordance to our values, relate to uh, situations differently, um, have that emotional distance of things that might distress us that are going to make us have a better mental health. So mental health is not the same as mental health illness. It's a completely different thing. And, and we need to address mental health just as we address physical health. Yeah. 
you're not crazy if you have to go and see a psychologist. Not at all. You're not. not, at not all. You know, crazy if you have to talk to somebody about something that is worrying you deeply. Yeah. That is has got you anxious or something is going on, and that's totally okay and really important to talk about. Um, when we come back in just a moment, there's still a lot for us to to talk about in terms of the things that we can do to manage anxiety, to uh, how do we talk about depression as well? How do you approach somebody who doesn't want to have a conversation as well about it? You know, how uh, are the different ways, uh, including group therapy? This is something uh, that you have now at Lighthouse Arabia, group therapy. I want to talk about that because it's not something that we've seen before here in the region as well, that there are uh, group therapy sessions as well. And I'd love to talk as well about kids, kids and mental health. How do we open up the conversation with them? Lots more to talk about with Dr. Daniela next here on Life Beats. Pulse 95. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Dr. Daniela Salazar is in the studio with us this morning talking World Mental Health Day the things that we need to know. We've talked a lot about uh, the symptoms that we need to be looking out for, Dr. Daniela, but what about therapy? (laughs) Because we kind of uh, assume that therapy is like going uh, to the psychologist, the therapist, the psychiatrist, whoever it is, and you get to lay down on the couch and they ask you a whole bunch of Freudian questions, very (laughs) abstract and, and weird things about your childhood. What is therapy actually and what is it like? What happens? Yeah, that's that's actually a really a really good question. And yes, there is that stereotype of the Freudian couch and the and the psychologists um, sitting behind you and asking you all sorts of questions. But no, um, in in real life, um, there is all different types of therapies, right? And just like you would go to a neurologist or a pediatrician or a dermatologist, you know, we all also as psychologists have different approaches and different ways in which we um, help um, a person that's struggling. So we have a therapy that's called cognitive behavioral therapy or short for CBT, where the main focus is um, to change the thought process and challenge um, your thoughts and teach you more um, strategic and useful ways in which you can relate to your thoughts. Um, then we have uh, narrative therapy. We have acceptance and commitment therapy. I mean, these are all different types of really long names to just different approaches. So it's not just sitting in the couch and laying down and asking um, all these questions. Um, it's it's just a conversation. You know, it's talk therapy at the end of the day where regardless of the approach that the therapist has, you are able to feel comfortable in the room with someone that is sitting with your pain Mm. um, who is uh, maybe an expert in the field but isn't coming from a place of expertise is there by by your side supporting you all the way through listening to you guiding you through your pain and trying to find solutions together and I think that's a really important thing to understand that you're not going to be judged you're not going to be um, pointed out or blamed you're sitting in a space with a professional who is there to listen, to support, and to guide you through um, whatever you're going through. Um, so regardless of the different types of therapies that I've just mentioned, we all want to go to the same place, which is to improve the quality of life 
of that person and help that person walk through or relate to um, their struggles differently. What's really important about this, apart from the fact that um, obviously you're going to a professional, somebody who understands uh, these kind of issues, understands how to deal with them, you, you know, it's different to going to a friend or a family member because, like you said, there is no judgment. This is somebody who is outside of your normal circle of, of people uh, that you interact with on a daily basis and can give you kind of a more objective view of things um, than you might have otherwise seen or looked at and, you know, strategies that, you know, others might not be able to support you with. Yeah, and I think... Listen, when you go to a psychologist, I always um, tell my clients or um, the parents of my clients of their children to see me as a life coach, you know, as a, as a person that's there to give you the tools, like a big toolbox of strategies and exercises that might help you go through difficult moments and mm-hmm. cope with things differently. And so it's a team effort. Mm-hmm. It's not me fixing or um, putting you together because a lot of times people come to the to um, um, the session saying oh uh, I'm broken I need to be fixed and I think that is something we need to really um, focus on mm. no one needs to be fixed you're not you're not you broken you don't need to be fixed um, we need to understand where these struggles are coming from. We need to understand um, what's going on and how to relate to these struggles differently um, rather to be to be fixed. And I think language um, around that is really important as well to change that frame of mind, to change that those words that are so hurtful and that can make you feel inadequate and vulnerable and more hopeless. Just even, you know, the kind of words that we use every day can have such a huge impact on exactly how we're dealing with a certain situation and this is something that you go through with everybody as well something else that um is very new is uh is uh, group therapy in fact so how does that differ and what what are the benefits of of being in a group versus individual therapy so um group therapy is actually really um effective to work through all of these difficulties like depression or anxiety, um, um, addictions, you know, all different types of, 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 of struggles. And I think one of the great things about group therapy is, well, first and foremost, you're not alone. All of these people in the group are struggling with the same difficulties that you're struggling with. And to see that and to feel that is something very valuable. Yes, in individual therapy, you still get that sense of support and care from the therapist. However, when you see other people, you bring this sense of normalcy and you understand that this is not only your struggle, that other people are having the same symptoms, the same triggers, the same situations in life and can make you feel more, even more supported um, that when you go to an individual therapy. Um, group therapies also, some people say, oh, you know, the confidentiality of group therapy, how does that work? Am I going, are all my problems going to be exposed? And, you know, and I think one of the most important concepts of group therapy is that it's a closed group and the interventions are evidence-based. We're not using just any type of approach. The psychologist that is usually in charge of this group is a trained psychologist who has a certain approach that's evidence-based, that knows how to deal with whatever struggle the the group is for, in this case, anxiety or depression, and that is able to um, 
have a secure and safe place for all of these people that are struggling. And the confidentiality bit is super important. That's why not everyone can be joining a group at whatever time. Whoever joins a group at a certain amount, a certain day will be the uh, participants of the group for however long the group goes for. And people often think that therapy is something that's going to last years. Is that how it works or can it be a lot quicker than that? Yeah, for sure. So um, it depends, right? So it depends on the type of, of struggle that the person is bringing into the room. Mm. Um, there are certain approaches in which it's more... Um, short-term interventions you know I have had clients who have just been coming to see me for four sessions and they feel it's enough and I've seen a great improvements and they're out the door and they're having the life skills they need and then I've had also some clients who have been with me for a longer period of time um, because they feel that there are other things that they want to work through uh, and a lot of times the main issue that or the main struggle that they come to for actually brings other set of, of, of struggles that maybe they weren't aware of at that point and that one they want to work through as well. So that's why the interventions become a bit longer. Um, but it just depends on whoever is searching um, that therapy. It's very interesting. You know, it's uh, something, something to think about because uh, I know people who are who are not going to therapy because, you know, they're anxious or whatever, but because it's just a good thing to do, just yeah. to ch kind of check in every now and then and to kind of talk through just general life issues. It's not like a, a thing where you have to be mentally ill or you have to have mental health disorders or issues or whatever it is. Yeah. But actually, it can be a good thing just to do in life in general. And I think... As a clinical psychologist, I have my own personal therapist as well. And, and I think we all at some point in our lives would need to talk to someone, not because you're struggling with anything, but because you want to reflect, you want to learn more about yourself, you want to bring more self-awareness, you want to understand why you behave a different way, a certain way, you want to be able to improve certain behaviors, walk through or, or relate to differently to certain feelings that you've been having. So I do think and I really would encourage everyone to go to see a therapist once in their life. It's a it's a wonderful and really enriching experience mm. when um, you find the right one. When you find the right one. It yeah. can be because you, you have to kind of be careful sometimes that uh, you don't find somebody who tries to tell you what to do. That's not what a therapist does. They kind of make you think about what you should be doing next it's quite an interesting process yeah and i want to say for those who are listening that even though they've had a negative experience maybe with a therapist to give it a second chance a lot of times maybe that therapist wasn't the right fit and and that's okay and we and there is plenty of therapists that we can go to that we might feel that might be the right fit for us mm -mm -mm. and and i actually have a lot of these clients come in and say, listen, I've been to other therapists. I've had a bad experience. I really hope that this is a, a more positive experience for me. And and it turns out that maybe it is. And and they stay and they like it and they enjoy it. And, and it brings a lot of reflection to them and more self-awareness, which is at the end what we want in therapy. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about uh, mental health first aid and kids with mental health issues. That's next. This is Pulse 95. Live Beats with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95.
talking uh, mental health uh, this morning. And uh, Dr. Daniela, let's talk about um, kids and mental health. Is that something that you see uh, quite often in your practice as well? And how do you deal with kids who might be displaying um, symptoms of anxiety, symptoms of depression? What do we do in that kind of a situation? So, yeah. So, um, mental health is present in everyone, right? Um, But when you're talking about a mental health illness, um, you can start seeing um, symptoms from very, very early on. Mm. I actually have kids in my practice who are five, who are even young as three sometimes, who maybe are experiencing um, some symptoms that their parents are concerned about and that would like to work through. So in young children especially, you would see a lot of irritability, um, lack of sleep, um, decrease in in their grades in school, more disruptive behavior in school and and maybe having parents being called in from teachers if this is something that hasn't happened before and it's a it's a girl or a boy who's usually very well behaved or um, sleeps through the night or has healthy eating habits and then for a long period of time has had then lack of sleep or low um, health um, eating habits and stuff like that. So they, they, this is when they come in to the clinic and say, oh, you know, I've been struggling with this for the past month. It's really getting in the way of my life. The intensity of these symptoms are quite high and I want to work through that. So um, again, going back to duration, intensity and how much of an impact these symptoms have regardless of if they're adult or children this is when they come in Um, but in terms of the therapy that we do it's quite different from adult therapy right we're not just doing talk therapy a lot of times we incorporate um, play therapy so children express their feelings through games through drawings through role-playing through storytelling sometimes parents get really frustrated when they're trying to talk to their child and they're trying to ask them you know what's going on what's happening why do you feel so upset or so sad and they don't want to talk about it yeah and and a lot of times they don't know how to they don't know what they're feeling so it's not only that they don't want to talk about it with their parents but they are not able to put a name to the emotion that they're experiencing and so one of the most important goals in therapy with young children is to teach them the language of feelings you know there are so many different names of feelings that we could experience that once we name the feeling we're able to tame the feeling as well and we can teach them different um, coping mechanisms for each different feeling Mm. right so feeling frustrated is not the same as feeling sad it's not the same as feeling angry it's not the same feeling as disgusted so we need to teach them that there are so many different names for these feelings and that each feeling can be addressed differently. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and from there, let's talk a little bit about the mental health first aid. This sure. is uh, something that you guys do as well. Uh, what is that and how can that help us uh, to uh, see these kind of uh, symptoms coming up uh, with loved ones, with friends as well? So the mental health first aid is an amazing opportunity for everyone to come in into the Lighthouse Arabia. We're the only accredited center in the UAE who delivers mental health first aid. So just like physical first aid, we also have uh, a mental health first aid. Mm. We want to help individuals identify mental health illness. We want to help individuals um, assist a person that is having a mental health illness, what to say, how to act, 
um, what symptoms to start identifying. And I think this is a great initiative to start building more of this awareness um, around mental health um, because uh, it, it is a course, it's a 14-hour course for the adult to adult mental health first aid, same with the adult adolescent mental health first aid, and then now we just recently launched our teen to teen mental health first aid, which I think is absolutely amazing because we really want children from a really early age to start identifying um, the different symptoms of mental health illness and how they can start supporting their peers in schools. You know, a lot of times in adolescence, they're not really open to talk to adults about how they feel or feel they, they might feel scared for being judged or um, punished for feeling a certain way. So you will, are, you will be more likely to open to a peer rather than a teacher or a principal or a parent. So this is the initiative that we want to um, start having in the UAE with the teen to teen mental health first aid. I love that so much. Uh, it doesn't mean you're going to diagnose somebody. That's that's up to a professional health professional to do right. it. But it's just about offering that support, uh, recognizing symptoms, offering support and uh, just definitely something that I think is recommended for everybody to, to kind of do. Um, but uh, apart from that, let's talk a little bit now before we end off the conversation, Dr. Daniela, about the kind of things that we can be looking at in our lives um, that can actually impact our mental health. Uh, for example, um, uh, we were talking about this earlier um, with the writer Sarah Wilson. She wrote a book called uh, First We Make the Beast Beautiful. And it's all about her struggle with anxiety. Uh, she's been um, diagnosed with bipolar disorder as well. Um, and uh, she has her own tips on uh, what has helped her mm -hmm. to be able to deal with her anxiety and mental health issues as well. Let's take a listen. The great thing, just to go back to some of the stuff that people can do, is that it's all free. It's all free. It's a bit hard. Meditation, <laughs> like meditation, right? But you just do it. We all learnt, we're a generation who learnt to clean our teeth twice a day and to wear seat belts. We got over it pretty quickly, right? There's a generation now that loves to get used to not carrying plastic bags. You get used to it, you know? Humans are pretty good like that. So meditation twice a day, you just do it, non-negotiable. Walk. One of the best things you can do for your health, particularly mental health, is to sell your car. Bit hard in LA. Interesting. Be so that people will walk. So that you walk. I, don't, I haven't owned a car for many, many years. I walk everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. And it's a mental health strategy. And it forces me to walk. Um, so walking, um, not eating sugar and eating a, a whole food diet. Like, yeah. And if you want to know another really simple tip in terms of wellness, just learn to cook. Um, you know, when you stop eating sugar, you stop eating processed food, which means you've then got to buy real food, which means that you've then got to cook. So just learn to cook. Um, stop eating packaged foods. It is a silver bullet straight through to kind of stable mental and physical well-being. These are not expensive things. These are things our grandparents used to do. What are your thoughts on that, uh, Dr. Daniela? I absolutely agree with her. Mm. I think there's so many things that we can do that we're not doing that are free of cost and that we're not aware of how much they can impact our life. I would even add to that sleep. Yeah. We really undervalue sleep. 100%. Sleep is the most crucial habit and thing we need to start doing. We need to start sleeping at least seven to eight hours a day. It, 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 it re and energizes you it is it is 
one of the biggest ways to prevent all sorts of physical diseases, mental health illnesses. It recharges you. Um, and I think that sleep is something that is really undervalued, for example. Um, a big one. Especially with the use of technology at night and use of cell phones and computers in bed. You know, I really strongly advise against that because we have in those in, in those electronics blue light, which doesn't let us sleep. And it's prolonging the, the time in which we're actually in depth of sleep. So I would really strongly suggest 30 minutes before you go to bed to really put your phones away, your computers away, to decompress, have a glass of a cup of tea, just sit and meditate in your bed or lay down and relax, take some deep breaths. And then slowly you're going to fall asleep and have some nice seven, eight hours a night, which is what you need. And these things are all free. Exercise, of course, and we all know the benefits of exercise. You need to do them on a daily basis. Meditating, yoga, even, and I think I would add something else to that, connecting with the people that you love, you know? Because yeah. of this use of electronics, we're not connecting. We might be um, having dinner or lunch with our best friend and we're on our phones. We're not literally having a chat and enjoying each other's company. We have so many things that are getting in the way of that connectiveness that we really want to strive for. All so the distractions. We're hyper-connected, but completely in the wrong way. Yeah. And, and time in for yourself. You know, have time to just do nothing. How great is that? You know, oh, now yes. we have one of the greatest joys of life. One of the greatest joys. <laughs> Our life goes up by so fast. We yeah. have so many things that sometimes we feel useless if we're not doing something. Yeah. And doing something, doing nothing is doing something for you. Oh, it's a big one. Uh, it's a big one. But, uh, you know, above all of that, you, this it's important to start from there. But above that. If you need to talk to someone, you need to reach out because uh, mental health issues can affect anybody. It doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter who you are in the world. It can impact you. It can affect you at different times of your life. It doesn't mean that your life is all going to be rosy and amazing. Everyone's going to have moments when it's going to impact you. So thank you so much, Dr. No, Danielle Salazar, for the conversation today. Lots more coming up next as we talk the Sharjah International Film Festival for Children and Youth next. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10 a.m.